You're listening to Once, Episode 9, Desperate Souls. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the podcast about ABC's TV show Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Dan Flynn. I'm Jenny. And we are four friends who love watching Once Upon a Time, and it is an awesome TV show. I hope you have seen every episode up to this point, because if you haven't, well, you're going to be lost. And Once Upon a Time is not about lost, either. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, we're going to spend very little time talking about Lost this time. But make sure that you check out the website over at oncepodcast.com to see screenshots that we mention and show notes for this episode will be at oncepodcast.com slash nine. Also, we really appreciate the ratings and reviews that you've left for us in iTunes. And if you haven't, well, then please go over to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes and you can leave some ratings and reviews there. Special thanks to Misty Swirl and uh, Barnyard Gal or something like that, (laughs) who uh, actually left some constructive criticism there. Appreciate that. And you can send us feedback. Feedback at oncepodcast.com or 903-231-2221. Let's get into this. Talking about the episode of Desperate Souls. A brief recap is we get to see a lot of history of Rumpelstiltskin in this We get to see where he got his powers, and we see Emma Swan battle to become the sheriff and get her victory in that. What did you guys think of this episode? Jeremy? It was very good. I didn't, I think that I assumed Rumpelstiltskin was some sort of a magical creature. It didn't occur to me he was ever (laughs) a human, like a normal human with no power. So. I assume this isn't all of his history, but it was actually more than I would have expected to get in a single episode, especially so early on. Mm-hmm. But I assume that just means that it's important to know all of that going forward. Yeah. Dan, what did you think? Well, I'm, I'm glad we had that break because, I mean, they ended in a pretty dramatic climax the last uh, episode seven. <laughs> so, I mean, I knew you can't really do that every episode. But I was, I agree with Jeremy. There was a lot of content in this one. I was a bit surprised that they they did fit a lot. It wasn't just a, you know, let's let's just let these drag out. But um, they had a lot in it, and I was I liked it a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jenny. It wasn't exciting as the last one, like Dan said. But we were kind of swelled with the last one. <laughs> so uh, I also had to agree with Jeremy that I really enjoyed getting to know Rumpelstiltskin a little bit better. Yeah, and I agree with you guys. I, I did really like this episode. Again, not as action-packed, but it fills some of the story. And in some sense, I almost feel like it was a satisfactory amount of story. Yeah. But it does raise certain questions like, what are the ogre wars? And mm-hmm. uh, where did Rumpelstiltskin get his injury? Was it from the war or something else? And some of the other things as we progress, we don't even really know the timeline of this true we just know this has got to have been once upon a time yeah (laughs) more than uh, more than 50 years before the curse does rumpelstiltskin have an injury or just mr gold 
Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, because they called him Hobblefoot. Yeah, and oh, he was leaning on the cane. Right. Yeah, and we'll get into that. Why in I ignore detail. that? Just because he always oh, yeah. is, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he... Let's go ahead and get into that. I just realized I didn't need to say we'll get into that. Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> he started out as, like you guys said, normal human. Not a grasshopper or <laughs> anything. <laughs> Spinning thread, presumably, not gold. I wonder, are all of the characters, uh, since we've seen Jiminy Cricket start out as a human, and mm. we've seen uh, Rumpelstiltskin start out as a normal human, are all of the characters, like even the Big Bad Wolf and the Three Little Pigs and whatever other characters we may see in this, will they all start out as humans too? Not Pongo. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like... They transfer to Storybrooke as humans, the ones that started out as humans, right? Because Pongo didn't become human. Oh, right, right. But Jiminy Cricket did, and right. so did Mr. Gold, even though he wasn't an animal before. He just, he was a regular human being mm-hmm. in Storybrooke. True. That's interesting. But we haven't actually seen any other characters that we know were animals in fairy tale, have we? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, we've seen Little Red Riding... Well, we see Little Red Riding Hood a lot, and we see a lot of her. Yeah, yeah. She's, like, she's not actually that little. She actually seems like she's too tall for her job. Yeah, yeah she's saying. too tall for her clothes, too. <laughs> <laughs> that, too. <laughs> but, I think she's prettiest when she has the most on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just Which, saying. Actually, there's that scene later on in this episode when she's all decked out in like tons of red, and it's like, whoa, that's it's a like, lot of red. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When she calls Emma a hero, she's all red. Yeah. Now, <laughs> backing up just a little bit, the opening for this episode was different, mm-hmm. and I think that makes perfect sense that they made it different because they had to kind of remind people what happened several weeks ago. Oh, no, so you mean the recap? Yeah, the recap and intro section to what the was episode. Different? Well, listen to it. There is a town in Maine where every storybook character you've ever known is trapped between two worlds. They're the only thing in this whole place that feels right. Victims of a powerful curse. The evil queen sent everyone from the enchanted forest here. They don't remember who they are. I just want to make sure Henry's okay. He's fine. She's a con woman. All I'm doing is trying to protect you. You belong together. Oh, no. Did you get like only one knows the truth. How far are you willing to go? As far as it takes. And she'll stop at nothing. <laughs> till someone breaks the spell. Graham! Graham! Don't underestimate me. You have no idea what I'm capable of. So, awesome intro. And yes. it includes more from the last seven episodes instead of just everything being mm-hmm. from the first episode. Right. Mm-hmm. So it helps explain it a little bit more. And we, again, see definitely Regina knows. And I like what they said in that she won't stop until someone breaks her spell. Yeah. And then what? Because we're and going to And then she'll be stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and then season two. No. Yeah. But before we get too far in, I want to mention like the the title scene. And mm. who was in it? Yeah, I think that was a dark one. Yeah. And we even heard that sound clip in there that was from the dark one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. 
I, I could almost feel the rippling air as you did that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start looking at fairy tale land. Rumpelstiltskin was weaving again. Spinning. He was spinning. spinning. Or, or oh, that is, yeah. yeah. Spindle, true. Spinning thread. And Normal thread. The the oldest time we've seen Rumpelstiltskin, like from the longest ago we've seen him before this, was when Jiminy comes in and gives him the gold and then Rumpelstiltskin mm-hmm. gives him the potion. Right. Rumpelstiltskin was then also spinning. But Maybe at that he's point, just he was... addicted to spinning. Maybe that's just <laughs> what he does. Yeah, maybe. But that time it was gold, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah by the time that Jiminy came on, Rumpelstiltskin was all into magic and everything. Had his new style on and all of that <laughs> stuff, too. His gold skin. <laughs> and when I first saw this, um, originally, like, several episodes back, might have been the second one or so, I thought, well, maybe Rumpelstiltskin's actually good. Maybe they'll do a twist on this, and you'll find out that he is, you know, you always think, oh, he's the bad guy. He's always the bad guy in the fairy tales. But this time, maybe they're going to do a twist, and he's actually going to be good. But uh, I did like how it, he had good, it seemed, in the beginning, at least good intentions. And he had a son. He showed love. Everything opposite of, you know, what we see him as Rumpelstiltskin. I didn't see him as good. I saw him as, like, a coward. Well, yeah. well he, he was a good coward. I mean... <laughs> well, he killed people. <laughs> he still, like, loved his son. And, yes, he was cowardly and everything, but his whole purpose and point of the way he was, you know, what, what he was doing in his actions was to preserve the life of his son. Right. True. It was actually the power that consumed him. Um, he did kill, yeah, the old guy, the, the, the dark one. He killed the dark Which, one. Which, by the way, is Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings. Yes. Really? I totally noticed that. I was watching with a friend and he's like, no, no, it isn't. So I looked it up on IMDb, <laughs> imdb.com and I was, oh. I was right. Awesome. So he always, I don't know if, that's a little sad that he always plays the evil, twisted characters, but he does a good job at it, so props <laughs> to him. Oh, yeah. he And also the actor behind Rumpelstiltskin did an amazing job yeah. from all of this and acting in the different parts and mannerisms in this. I'd like to say this, too. I was thinking about this. I was watching this, and everybody's got, you know, their, their fairy tale character, their storybook character, you know, two for every person. And I was... Uh, adding it up and i was thinking there's three and actually even almost four different characters mm-hmm. that rumpelstiltskin plays because really? he plays the coward mm-hmm. when he when we first introduced him to this one he plays rumpelstiltskin that we were originally introduced to in the earlier episodes um he's also plays mr gold in storybook and then right after he acquired mm-hmm. the curse of the dark one he's different than the rumpelstiltskin that we see in the present True. not present day but the the later on storybook He's uh, like the new song. dark one, but he's not completely consumed with it yet. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's kind of a transition. Yes. Point, yeah. But, I mean, at least as an actor, that is four different yeah. roles. And he does such a good job with them. I said to someone, I said, oh, he's my favorite character. And they looked at me like I was demented or something. <laughs> I was like, no, I mean, he just does a really good job and I believe it. <laughs> I'm not crazy yet. I want to be just like him. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get the laugh down. <laughs> uh, I can't do that. Sure you can. Try it right now. Yeah. Good, good job. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 
like I do it, and it sounds like Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> not like Pillsbury Tigger Doughboy versus yeah, Tigger and Pillsbury Doughboy combined. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> well, did you notice the sky was red the whole time? Yep, on one mm-hmm. side, and it's from the war. You can, if you watch the sky in the background, you actually see it looks like lightning, kind of the flashes of different things going on far in the background, and the soldier gestured to it when he referred to the war mm-hmm. and it's the ogre war that right there i think is a lot of history that would be interesting to learn about mm-hmm. if they're ever going to cover that there were things about this episode that reminded me of lord of the rings mm. like what might be going on around the periphery we were like lord of the rings we're watching the war but what was going on in the villages around it because i think he calls he refers to it as the frontline villages at some point yes yeah, uh, Rumpelstiltskin does. And I like, too, when he points out to his son, when he's trying to explain to his son what's going on over there, he's like, that's not... Um, what do you say? He's, he said, that's not the blood... I think he uh, said it's not fire. Yeah, it's not, it's not fire from the battlefield. It's blood from innocent children or something on those lines. Which I'm thinking he's probably exaggerating just a little bit because he's a little well, bit of a fearful person. <laughs> no, I would say I think he's right because, I mean, you saw the the guy that came over that was controlling the Dark One, when he originally came and stole some of the children, he stole a 14-year-old girl. Right. And was going to use her for the battlefield, which was very... And the way he talked about it and everything, it definitely showed a very evil dark side to that guy. Um, But they were taking children and throwing them with armor and throwing them out there. Yeah, they, they said that because the Ogre War had taken a terrible toll on the forces, and so that's why they were starting to recruit everyone that was 14 and above... Mm-hmm. But the whole sky was glowing red. That's a lot of blood. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not sure there's that much. <laughs> well, it, it is something from the war, though. Well, yes. I think one of the things that we did see about Rumpelstiltskin that kind of illustrated that he was at least somewhat good or had good intentions is as they're trying to cowardly escape from the <laughs> soldiers, there's the beggar. And the beggar says, alms for the poor. Mm-hmm. And Rumpelstiltskin stops and pulls something out and gives it to him. Maybe even the rest of the money that he had, in fact. Mm. And uh, that that was cool that he was generous there to right. the poor man. Which, by the way, did any of you guys think Robin Hood when you saw that? When he was like, alms Wasn't, for the yeah, poor. Yeah, we did. We did. Both of us did. Well, you said it for a minute, but then he showed up again later. And then he showed up again much later, <laughs> and yeah. he was the dark one. Yeah, yeah. Dark yeah. One, so. just initially, we we both thought that <laughs> that he was supposed to be a Robin Hood in his old man costume. Hmm. Because yeah, even like, I didn't think that he even started, <laughs> <laughs> he even started saying something that was kind of the idea of rob from the rich and give to the poor. And I pointed that out while we were watching it. But yeah, clearly I'm wrong. I just wanted to say, though, that's what I thought. First step is admission. (laughs) But Robin Hood's a place we could go eventually. Oh, yeah. That that would be cool. Because uh, that could be like the new Huntsman or something. (laughs) Well, speaking of all these different other... Different other... That makes sense. uh, All these other different fairy tales and everything. I did get my grim fairy tale book over Christmas. So (laughs) I've been reading several stories and they're amazing. So... Uh, even see some connections and where they might have adopted certain things already. Oh, yeah. So they are really pulling from several different sources from this. Mm-hmm. They're pulling from Grimm, 
they're pulling from some of the other once upon a time style of the fairy tales and they're pulling a lot of stuff straight from disney backgrounds like stuff that wasn't actually in the fairy tales they're pulling from disney's portrayal of it because disney owns abc so Mm -hmm. it's very easy that they would make those connections there and And pulling stuff like stuffed mickeys mickey (laughs) and minnie were both in this episode uh, both in Mr. Gold's shop, but we'll, oh, crap. we'll talk. I miss them again. <laughs> I keep missing them. It took me a second them. time to see them, but yeah. But we will um, have screenshots of that, and we'll also get to that a little bit later in uh, when we talk about Storybrooke. Yeah, I forget to look for them, just like the Observer in Fringe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when we see that uh, Rumpelstiltskin is running away, and the soldiers find them. And boy, those soldiers, like, what do they do? Do they have a calendar of everyone's birthdays? <laughs> yeah, I, that thought had crossed my mind when I rewatched it. I was like, goodness, they it's, know everybody's birthday. It's well, an when, enchantment, not unlike Google Calendar. <laughs> they must have somebody, like, watching them, because how did they know that Rumpelstiltskin was escaping? They're all members of fairybrook.com. They also have the Dark Lord <laughs> watching over. Well, yeah. And Ooh. they were watching the girl being taken earlier. Yeah, and the and the son was saying like they're going to come for me. My birthday's in three days, and I think Rumpelstiltskin was telling him basically to shut up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they they were out there before, so I'm sure some of the guards have seen them. That's actually a good point because we've seen Rumpelstiltskin with the power to see the future, at least some aspects of the future, and presumably the Dark One could do that too. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I'm I'm was thinking something like that too. I thought the boy's name was interesting. Oh, Ball was fire. It? Spelled B A E L F I R E. So it's so you, Ball fire. But the soldiers recognized Rumpelstiltskin because yeah. he had been in war with mm-hmm. them before and they had mm-hmm. certain nicknames for him. Spindle Shanks, Thread Whistle and Hobblefoot. Yeah. I like Thread Whistle. It sounds powerful. <laughs> <laughs> I can whistle with this thread I spun. I don't know. (laughs) He's been in war before. Do you think that's where he got his injury from? Could be. It's probably a good assumption. Yeah. That's that's what I'm thinking. Back to his... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say back to his names. I thought it was interesting that his original name was Rumpelstiltskin because I always thought that name would have been given to him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a really weird name. But so is Ballfire. Mother must... I can't even speak. Mother must have hated him. <laughs> she could have at least made it his middle Maybe name. Maybe she screamed it out. She probably screamed it out while giving birth to him. <laughs> Maybe. You wouldn't believe what it means in his mother's native language. <laughs> well, the soldier then explains. He's The soldier just wants to humiliate Rumpelstiltskin in front of his son. Mm-hmm. And the soldier then says this. Did he tell you how he ran? And the ogres turned the tide of the battle, and all the others were killed. And he returned home to a wife who could not bear the sight of him. I think the thing of his wife not being able to bear the sight of him, later it almost sounds like, well, his wife left him. And uh, that's what the soldier said, is uh, no woman wants to be married to a coward. But later... It almost sounded like maybe Rumpelstiltskin killed his wife. Mm. Because when his son, what was mm. the name, Jenny? 
Ball fire. When ball fire. <laughs> ball fire. Ball fire. There's a little ball fire. <laughs> when his son asks him, uh, "Did um, he, he, did mom really die?" Yeah. The way he kind of says, uh, "Yes, she did." Almost mm. sounds like he was responsible for well, that. I was going to say, I I wrote down. It was really the only thing I put in my question section was, "Is she really dead?" Or was he lying again? And if so, was he responsible for it? Because I, I thought that too. I didn't think maybe that he killed her, but it sounded like there's more to that story that he be, didn't want to talk about. It could be that he's just choosing not to acknowledge that she lives because um, like she represents um, a lot of pain in his life. So right. he, just, he just even denies that she's alive. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of remorse when he said that as if, you know, it was something that he was responsible for, mm-hmm. whether it was his cowardice or whether he actually performed her death himself. Performed her death. Yes. <laughs> in, in our chat room. And by the way, we normally do this show live every Thursday night at 930 p.m. Eastern time. But in the chat room, Misty Swirl made a comment here saying that, but it sounded more like she's dead to him for having left. Yeah, I had to agree mm. with that. That was kind mm-hmm. of my point. There's this then this uh, this scene which can be wrapped up with just this simple quote: "Kiss my boot." <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much sound clip. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so was that really going to be it? That was my question about that. Was were they really going to leave his son with him? You know I guess what I not. Think, I'm thinking not. I think that was the price for them leaving Rubble Stiltskin and Ballfire alone, and on not taking road. him early. Yeah. Right. right. Because they were on the King's Road. I guess if that were it, he wouldn't have had to do any of the whole Dark One business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. So speaking of the Dark One, that's when this beggar comes in and he says, uh, feed me whatever you can and I'll find some way to be your benefactor. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which in Storybrooke, Rumpel, uh, Mr. Gold also offered to Emma to be her benefactor mm-hmm. for the campaign. That is true. I missed that. Hmm. There are a lot of really cool connections I want to get into once we get into Storybrooke, but they had yeah. a lot of cool connections. A lot in this of tie-ins that actually kind of jump characters. Yeah, they they don't carry straight from the same character mm-hmm. in, in some of them. So this guy follows them home, and it ends up it is the dark one, and he's giving the whole plan and plot. <laughs> and did you catch something that the dark one said to Rumpelstiltskin? That we heard Rumpelstiltskin say to Shepherd James in episode six, The Shepherd. What choice do I have? Everyone has a choice. Mm, I do remember it now. And in The Shepherd, <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin it. said, Everyone has a choice, dearie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dearie to a man. <laughs> and he's a man. This is awkward. Dearie. <laughs> So it's a, it's a couple strong themes already coming through this of everyone has a choice, and that's been a strong theme before, but also this idea of a benefactor and someone who is giving and has some secret motivation to gain from it as well, oddly enough. Maybe that line is just to trick people into doing what he wants them to do. Like to put <laughs> the idea in their head and make them feel like they came up with that idea themselves. Although that wasn't really the case with James. Hmm. 
Rumpelstiltskin knew he was the town coward. He even said it at one point. <laughs> uh, I can't remember to whom it was that he said it, but he knew that he was the coward and that he had no friends, no allies. He was powerless, no influence. And a lot of that turned around for him in terms of power and influence, mm-hmm. but he still has no friends and he's no longer the coward. Later on, when he gets the magic power, he even says, I'm not afraid of anything. Well, a lot of that thing was about having power. And that's, there are actually a few correlations between this story and the Queen's story. They both were selfishly, in a way, afraid of losing something that they loved or that they held dear in some way, or losing something. I mean, the queen killed what she loved most, so that's not a direct correlation. But she was only interested in what was going, what she believed would make her happy. And here, we think it's cruel to take the kids for the war. Um, but his son, the entire time, was saying saying things like, "It feels wrong to run away," and he just tells him, "It's worse to die. I can't lose you." And his son just kept saying, "I'm willing to go fight. I can do this." And he just wouldn't let him go. Yeah. And he pursued power as the solution to his problems. He wanted to take control of the situation. Why didn't the dark one just fight the battle? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was thinking that same thing. These, uh, wait, what are they fighting? The knife only had a certain range. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say too, um, we did see Rumpelstiltskin as very, you know, coward, cowardice and, um, his son being very brave, uh, after he took over the power of the dark one, um, you see the reverse mm. where he's very powerful. And does he even, I think he even asked his son, you know, are you, are you scared boy? He said, do you feel safe? Oh, well, and he said, no, <laughs> yeah, I feel frightened. Cause his dad is holding this. Yeah. Like he's in like this, like, like, like pose, like this stance where he's about to attack. And it's like, do you feel safe? And I wouldn't feel safe with his dad holding the knife the way he was. And I'd like to say, too, like he didn't really seem like he was one to pursue anything. He was one to run away. As soon as he became the Dark One, he pursued the power. He obviously let that power control him. And I was... Uh, something uh, made me think of earlier episodes when he went after the wand and mm-hmm. killed the fairy godmother for that wand. I was wondering, too, like, is he using it for more control or is he trying to rid himself of his curse mm. and, and overpower it? Um, also linking to something in Storybrooke, just because this does link to it. Basically, Emma was when Emma was talking about Mr. Gold, Henry says um, that Mr. Gold is worse than Regina. Yeah. So, I mean, he, we, he knew about the per- curse's consequences in the beginning. And either he has this thing all laid out, which I believe he does, but I'm still not sure if he has any turning point to him uh someone in the chat room asked a cool question how did the duke get control of his dagger that is a good question because yeah. rumpelstiltskin has control of his own dagger yeah and he, he like in later episodes nobody nobody controls him so he's it, probably got that thing tucked hmm. away pretty well i think it's interesting that the name knowing the name is part of it like Rumpelstiltskin never knew the name of the Dark One until he had the dagger. And that's part of how he got power over the guy is by having the dagger. I wonder if the knowing someone's name and having power over them originated with the dagger. Maybe. That's a good point. I'm sort of wondering if that's the twist they've brought into the story. Because just for 
almost to make it work better for the show because the original Rumpelstiltskin story, once someone knew his name, it was kind of the end. Yeah. So maybe instead of that, because clearly people that are under his power know his name in the version that they're telling in this show. So maybe it's the dagger itself with the name on it that is sort of his Achilles heel, not Could simply be. knowing his name. I'd like to say too, I hate doing this because I always mix things. You have to mix Storybrooke and Fairytale. Um, but <laughs> when he's in the shop talking about the dagger, uh, after that dagger scene or so, when he's in the shop with Regina, which we'll get to, he's actually having his hand over a case with two knives. They yeah. weren't the same knives. Oh, really? But thinking like, is his, is his dagger actually hidden somewhere in that shop? Or... Buried out in the woods somewhere. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh. We've got some feedback about that a little bit later, too. Uh, one last thing that I have uh, talking about fairy tale land, and you guys can add anything else after this. Uh, a really cool thing that when I realized it, I was suddenly going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, no way, no way. And that is, we will have a screenshot of this in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash nine. When Rumpelstiltskin goes to the castle to get the dagger, there's a brief shot of the castle, and you can see two flags on the castle. And the flags are the emblems of Prince Charming's castle later. Are you positive? Yes. All right. I can't wait for these. He was so excited. He came upstairs. I was like, let me tell you something. Do you want me to tell you something? I was like, do you want to tell me? And I was like, yeah. So we will have a screenshot of this in the show notes, some side-by-side comparison. I'm showing them here in the studio, this thing, uh, where you can see it's the shield shape, a star, and this kind of uh, triangle bit in the um, the logo Hmm. of this flag. It's just... It's really interesting. Now, this isn't Prince Charming's castle yet, because this happens at least 50 years before mm. the whole curse <clears throat> came along. So Prince right. Charming wasn't even born yet, most likely. Speaking of this castle, Rubblestiltskin said that the floors and the rafters were made out of wood. And you see him set this hay on fire outside the castle. Well, the hay caught the banners on the side of the castle, which caught the rugs on top that caught the other banners inside the castle, which caught the beams. Which That's just to reach. To I mean, I just, it started burning really rapidly. I have to say, Time especially in my rewatching the episode, the whole entering the castle to get the dagger reminded me, in a sense, of the cave. It did not feel well executed. Because he's saying this, these torches are my keys to the castle. Then he sets fire to a pile of hay outside. And he goes inside. And yeah, a lot of stuff's on fire. But I'm like, how did you get in? What did that do? Why didn't you set fire to a door? And why didn't someone go and grab the knife if it's that important? And where is everybody? It was so easily accessible. Like this knife. You know exactly where to find it. We find out that the Dark One wanted wanted Rumpelstiltskin to kill him so that he could get rid of his curse. Mm -hmm. The Dark One still has power, so he very well could have um, worked with Rumpelstiltskin. True. That's why, how else could like this cowardice beggar be able to get in there? And the Dark One wanted this to happen all the time. That's true. I just, I was, I was going, where are the guards? Where are the people who live in the castle? Why is there no running, no screaming, no firemen? At that point, I had to take a deep breath and say, it is a TV show. Yeah. It It almost sounded like when when Rumpelstiltskin (laughs) was putting the castle on fire, it almost sounded like 
there were fireworks going on in the background. So maybe everyone was out for a 4th of July or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I noticed that too. Like, oh, this the is a big barbecue. It, <laughs> it uh, did sound like fireworks. Any, funny. Anything else about fairy tale land before we move on? Um, just that power, <laughs> power corrupts. He started acting different before he ever even became before he got the mm-hmm. dagger. Yeah, once he had the offer of power, he start that's the one thing that he started going after. He said he was too afraid to control the dark one, but he was willing to still go after it as long as he could kill it and he wasn't going to have to keep the dark one as his slave. Yeah. He he was afraid even to do that, but still that power was sort of calling him or he was sort of intoxicated with it and he went after it. Um the dark one could control when his skin was gold. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. But Rumpelstiltskin is always gold. Maybe he's just flaunting that he can be gold. I would. (laughs) (laughs) Or scary that he wants to intimidate people. Maybe. Maybe. It could also be something about the way he acquired the power. Or maybe we're going to see Mr. Gold suddenly look like his normal Rumpelstiltskin (laughs) self at some point. Because remember, too, in the very beginning when Regina was talking about her apple tree and he talked about Henry and he said... And um, I forget the specific line, but he did hint to the fact that he knows what's going on and Regina mm-hmm. doesn't. So, well, yeah, he even, may very well, very well have that power. Even in fairy tale land, you've never seen Rubble Stiltskin after being turned into the second dark one. Like, you've never <laughs> seen him normal again. Or the 14th dark one. <laughs> the dread pirate Roberts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Maybe it, you know, like, feeds on cowardice. So, like, he just had a lot to transform because I mean, it, just, it was a complete reverse, re- complete reversal of his original character. Yeah. So I, I felt almost like it was even a stronger power that he had because of who he was originally. And it does kind of reveal in his characteristics of using the power because the dark one, the original dark one that we saw can control it. And he wants out of it. He doesn't want to be controlled by the power anymore. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want the curse, the price of the magic anymore. But Rumpelstiltskin is consumed by the power. And I think that's more than just his, uh, his mind, but also his body is totally consumed by it. He's let himself be totally consumed by it. That's why we never see Rumpelstiltskin in fairy tale land without that goldish skin. I do also wonder the fact that, you know, through this power, he saved his firstborn son, but he, he really lost him as well. And that's what he's always going after in the future. Um, with all the other people, with uh, Cinderella, um, he just wants their child. Hmm. And either he's trying to fulfill an empty hole like Regina, where he lost what was most beloved to him, or um, I don't know, or he's just trying to make everybody else feel the way he's, he's felt. Hmm. Dachshund in the chat room said maybe it takes time to control his gold skin. <laughs> yeah, that could be. <laughs> but we've never seen him without. That's true. Gold That's skin. What I'm but we don't know how the previous dark one, how long he'd been the dark one. Mm-hmm. It could be a Good curse point. that just gets worse and worse. Maybe. As it goes on. Well, he said that his life was awful. That's why he wanted to die. And I do. Um, really like too the fact when Rumpelstiltskin is, you know, got the dagger stuck in the Dark One's sternum. <laughs> <laughs> got a dagger in your sternum there. <laughs> <laughs> that you know they're they're doing their last little talks. 
Magic always comes with a price, and now it's yours to pay. <laughs> wow, that was a good vision of him actually, like, drowning on his own blood and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. But oh. that was very neat because Rumpelstiltskin's always warning everybody else. And I'm like, what, is he the, you know, the most magical person? But it's because he learned it himself. When Rumpelstiltskin asked why. Why me? Why me? I know how to recognize a desperate soul. I just had a thought. That's good. You know, <laughs> you know how like all the good magical creatures do magic for free? Maybe it's because they're willing to pay the price of magic. And since Rumpel makes mm. the people themselves pay, you know, by deals, maybe he's not willing. Maybe he's kind of getting away from paying the price of magic. <laughs> deals. That reminded me. We also saw in this where he learned uh, something about deals in this that he learned, like, always never make a bad deal. Uh, he learned that from... The, the beggar who ended up being the dark one. Yeah, I forget what he said to him first. It was something about that, not making deals that when you don't know what you're getting yourself into. I, I just remember him saying, I bet you'll never do that again or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same thing, same part as he's dying. Be All right, it. enact the curse. We're going to Storybrooke. <laughs> <laughs> there. Oh, oh. The curse. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> What was that? I think that was a three, one of the three little pigs that was put in the door. We the started with thing, Emma at mm-hmm. Gold Shop. Calls her in and she smells his, his stink, his sheep stink. Gold? <laughs> in here? Well, it is my show. <laughs> I love that. He talks so quietly, too. Oh, he's just snarkily like, well, muttering shop. into himself. <laughs> I don't know why, but that made me happy. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It made him seem not, like really human. It's like yeah. he does have humor and a soul somewhere buried yeah. deep in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He would have been a good grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Gold obviously wants Emma to become mayor. No. And, sheriff. I mean, sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's planting that seed. Like I saw that. He's definitely planting that seed and we see that why is because we'll skip all the way to the (laughs) end here the reason he wanted emma to be the sheriff is because of the favor oh true now that you're sheriff i'm sure we'll find some way for you to pay back what you owe me yeah so this whole episode is basically in in storybrook is about Emma's run for sheriff and how Mr. Gold is helping with that along the way. Before, she didn't have anything to give him. And now she's sheriff, so she can do lots of favors for him. And this whole episode definitely alludes to the fact that he does still see into the future. Especially when, after the fire, I mean, we're jumping all over the place, so might as well. (laughs) After the fire, um, Emma says, you know, how did you uh, how did you know I was going to save her? And he pretty much knew that. And then he also knew where she would be, that she would be in that spot at that time. And there was a lot of, you know, that happened under very interesting coincidences. It's all part of the act, my dear. Political theater and an actual theater. I love that quote. <laughs> I think it really showed at the beginning of the episode, after you've watched the whole episode, 
because he was actually making the sheep stuff that would be used in the fire. Lanolin. Mm-hmm. Ooh, sheep stuff again. Yeah. yeah, that was a connection I did notice. Yep. Or what did Emma call it? Sheep stuff. <laughs> I don't know. She did not like it. <laughs> she <laughs> she said it smelled like livestock. Chow. Yeah. Oh, she called it his sheep crap oil. Yeah, sheep, sheep crap oil. <laughs> oh, yeah. by the way, um, <laughs> well, this is not related to sheep crap oil, but <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say like the whole idea of um, when Regina is trying to give the badge to Mr. Glass, uh, to give the sheriff badge. I see this big guy in a blue suit in the background, and he totally looked like the ogre that ripped his hair out during the um, the little ritual that she did. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. We have to get a screenshot. I might be wrong, but, I mean, he looked like the ogre guy. Maybe just, you know, six foot nine instead of oh. ten foot two. We'll have a <laughs> screenshot of that in the show notes at onespodcast.com slash nine, and you can compare the two, and you can let us know. What he you had all his think. hair, so... Yeah. Did you catch in Mr. Gold's shop when we first see him there in the back room there, there is a spindle right mm. there in the middle oh, of the uh, room. It's the same spindle. I huh. think I remember seeing that. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I did not see it. He also has a lot of pictures up that I've always noticed before, these old pictures and picture frames. Uh-huh. But a lot of them look like, um, the other ones are hard to see, but one of them looked like a village. And it, it almost had this idea of like, after seeing where he grew up in the village, um, that he has all these photos of maybe like something like fairy tale in the background. It's almost like he's the the curator of their real history. Yeah. Maybe. Going back to when Mr. Gold, like we were talking about Mr. Gold seeming human and and like deep down somewhere inside he's good. I thought it was cool that he was talking to Emma about Henry when he was offering the walkie talkies to her. Like he would say mm-hmm. that it grows, they grow up so fast. And I think he was actually remembering his own son and maybe what happened. Yeah, he seemed genuine. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can just hear the emotion in it. They grow up so fast. Thanks. You enjoy these with your boy. Your time together is precious, you know. That's the thing about children. Before you know it... I also wonder if his child is grown up or or maybe he has infinite life and his child's no longer alive. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, because if that was long enough ago, um, his son probably would have died before we get to anything with the curse coming and all of that. So he wouldn't even be in Storybrooke. Well, he may be really old or maybe one of his sons would be in Storybrooke as well. Hmm. Interesting. And and seeing Rumpelstiltskin's past so back from the beginning, I wonder if Regina has an origin or if she was always a evil witch. <laughs> but, I'm sure she has yeah, an origin. I wonder if we're going to see something like that too. That'd be interesting. Huh. Um, going to the the side where um, they're doing the actual and the fire happened, uh, Regina comes and gets mad at, at uh, Rumpelstiltskin for helping gold oh yeah for, <laughs> gets mad at mr gold for helping emma and everything like that um and i like the the technicality do you remember that too <laughs> yeah she says that you know you're trifling with technicalities that was actually before the fire because he said that um you can't actually be mayor it's two weeks but uh you, you sheriff, only, sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you did it too <laughs> yep 
But um, the whole idea, she's like, you're you're trifling with technicalities and all this other stuff. And then in the end, uh, the, the further on in their conversation, she says, well, she, he's not actually her son anyway. Not legally anyway. Yeah. And I love how he's just like, now who's, you know, tampering with her technicalities now? I really liked the line whenever she came in, <laughs> Dr. Gold said, would you like me to make a little room for your rage? Because <laughs> like, like he said it like, like it was so used to Regina being angry and throwing things around. And he's like, do you want to move stuff around for you and make room for your rage? I missed that. That's awesome. <laughs> it's weird too that they're that mad at each other because if you remember when Prince Charming, what's his story, Brooke? name david regina said oh no it's that way and she led him to mr gold's shop where he touched something and and saw the lighthouse and that's when he <laughs> got sucked back into the fake curse you think um, they're frenemies now <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> the whole argument was interesting yeah. like it's like i know subtlety isn't really your style <laughs> think about the two that's pretty yeah, they true. had she so many good in. little <laughs> talks and little planned words here um Going to the uh, the actual debate that they had in the, the theater, um, <laughs> I love how we have Jiminy Cricket talking, and then he even says, oh, uh, crickets. Uh, it's because of his, his joke. Yeah. I mean. His joke. Just... <laughs> Which he <laughs> said, the glass, totally oh, we have glass, Mr. Swan. glass. <laughs> glass Swan. Glass Swan, yes. <laughs> Sounds like something like an interior <laughs> decorator would try and sell you. And right before that, too, did you see Mr. Glass trying to put on his ties? Yes. In the mirror? He's, yeah. he oh, had the even... biggest grin because it's like he sees himself in the mirror and he was having the time of his life, which I loved because he's the character <laughs> yeah. that's in the mirror. He's <laughs> like, hey, I look, I'm, I'm on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he could probably never see his reflection before. That's the first time you might have seen his reflection. Did anybody notice what Emma said, uh, said about <laughs> the autopsy? She mentioned the autopsy and said that Graham had, had been proven to die of natural crop crosses I'm just <laughs> tripping all over my words tonight causes i'm just wondering if they found the lack of heart <laughs> I, I know right that is a natural cause i'm pretty sure gina would have Died had her hand disorder. in those results well remember when sheriff graham was on his thing of saying i don't feel anything i don't have a heart emma took his hand put it on his chest and she said there you feel that he said no it's the curse yeah and, mm-hmm. and he was talking though but she had, just a, his actual she had a heart in her hand and she crushed it. Yeah. That, that was his heart. That's his real heart. I thought the curse made an illusion that he had a heart, but I guess yes. it made a fake heart. I well, who did I, it? I, I think, these things work. <laughs> I think, Jeremy, I think you're right. I think that the curse made an illusion of a heart. I and I think that so. was his real heart. And I think the autopsy showed that he didn't have a heart. I just wanted to, I wonder what the like doctors were like. <laughs> we don't have proof Holy of that cow. either, so we That's... never know like who did the autopsy. Let's see, you have Emma asking Henry after she dis- uh, he discovers that he was born in jail. And she says, I hope you're not scared of me. I hope you're not scarred for life. And Henry says, <laughs> no, not by this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is like... Yes, he is scarred by life, but this didn't do it, Mom. Having the evil queen as a mother, yeah, that's scarred me for life. And he yeah. almost gave up on that playground, too, and he said he was going to go back and, and just, you know, <clears throat> try to just not make her mad anymore because mm-hmm. she messes up his life. That that brings up two things I want to share. Um, one is the newspaper in that scene in the diner where he's reading the newspaper. I read the actual text. It says, ex-jailbird Emma Swan birthed 
babe behind bars. <laughs> Storybrooke, Maine. The race for the position of local sheriff has just gone to overdrive. The Storybrooke Daily Mirror has recently come into possession of a number of controversial documents that purport to shed an entirely new light onto the character of Storybrooke's prospective new law, office, law <laughs> enforcement officer, Emma Swan. Records show that when she was merely a girl of 17, Emma Swan found herself, ironically, on the wrong side of the law. She was visiting friends of her foster parents in the town of Worcester, Massachusetts. It would prove to be a trip that would earn her a juvenile criminal record. On the evening of June 16, 1996, Swan... And then the page had the fold. <laughs> and after nice. this, folks, we'll have story time with Daniel Lewis. <laughs> so we don't know actually what it was that put her in prison, but we know the date yep. of something that happened. Yeah. Yay, actual timeline information in a timeline. <laughs> and so we have Henry having what I've thought should be his reaction to his mother all along. He's finally scared of her for a reason. I'm thinking he believes all this stuff. He believes she's an evil queen who has killed people. How does he even stay in the house with her? How does he continue doing all these things? And so this was a good reaction. Maybe he didn't know that she could like carry her powers over. Maybe. Well, he's yeah, given maybe. he's given up on the battle at the beginning of the episode. Right. Good loses. Good always loses. Good has to play fair. Evil doesn't. It's a thing uh, concept that we see then mm-hmm. redeemed later because Emma wants to prove to henry that good does win right when good plays fair and mm-hmm. that was the whole thing with the political uh, theater stuff going on there <laughs> yeah and that comes back then when uh, when mary margaret asks emma mm-hmm. why she's trying so hard to become sheriff and why she's trying in the way that she's trying i want to show him that a hero can win and if i'm not I'm not a hero and I'm not the savior, then what part do I have in his life? Did you guys notice the use of the word reflection? Yes. For for um, Sydney Glass? Regina <laughs> said it. She said, after due reflection, I've decided to, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. He and wants then, to serve as a reflection of the best qualities of story. Yeah, that's, that was part of his speech. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. I and then Jiminy Cricket also said, vote with, vote with your conscience. Yes. <laughs> yes. So they're all like themselves. They're only that's kind of funny. referring back to their fairy tale selves. Mary Margaret's such a good mom and she doesn't even know it. Mm-hmm. She's like Emma's personal counselor. <laughs> yeah, which is, it's really neat how... Like, you know, her being the blood mother um, is shown to actually like care for her son, uh, even though she wasn't in in his life. Earlier, you have Regina saying that he's fine when Emma was worried that he'd be like traumatized through all this. Yeah. And, she, you know, Regina has no point. She just uses having Henry is just her showing control. Well, Emma wants her because she loves she loves her son. But I wanted to point out that back in Mary Margaret's apartment, first we see Emma with floral abuse and now it's small appliance <laughs> abuse so i i don't know she's not maybe the best roommate did you guys look up the song that was playing in the background while emma was well it wasn't really in the, the background it was no. like all in your face <laughs> yeah, it was. yeah she had it loud it was cool thing from <laughs> sonic youth they had an album in 1990 <laughs> called goo <laughs> <laughs> It uh, cool thing was their first major uh, single from that album, and the lyrics from it 
are kind of interesting as they apply to Emma. At points, it's like in, I guess this is the third or fourth verse, it says, when you're a star, I know that you'll fix everything. And it it talks about like fixing things and being like all cool and and, uh, <laughs> and mean and I taking just, over. I thought that it might be relevant to the... I actually <laughs> shouted down to Daniel said, do you still have that app on your phone that recognizes oh, nice, songs? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to fix the toaster. She was. She broke the toaster. Well, she, she said it was working she before she toaster. tried to fix it. <laughs> well, she hit it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> she hit it. <laughs> Taking her Somewhat anger out. Abuse. Yeah. Mr. Gold came to her, though, and he, he said something that then Regina kind of turns around at the end. Mr. Gold said, Two people with a common goal can accomplish many things. Two people with a common enemy can accomplish even more. He's got the greatest lines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not to mention he referenced Regina saying, by saying she's maybe she's not quite as powerful as she seems. Mm. I take everything he means or everything he says as meaning more than what he's saying. You know how you, you watch a show and you're like, oh, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. And you see the enemy and then it turns around where you're rooting for the guy that you hated and the enemy is... or. It just it's the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if we're gonna have Regina actually having to work with, with uh Emma to get to defeat Mr. Gold in the future. Well, we know in Fairy Tale Land it was said of Rumpel Stiltskin that he was the most powerful man in all the land. Hmm. Was it powerful or dangerous? Dangerous, yeah, that's right. Most dangerous. Same thing in in Fairy Tale. Maybe <laughs> the same thing, yeah, has carried over in Storybrook is that he is more powerful than Regina, but he's like a secret weapon right now. And he does own the town, like in a way where people pay him rent, like uh, the granny paid when he walked into her little inn that she had. So he does have everybody everybody by a very short leash. Mm-hmm. Before we move on, I want to mention that I thought it was really funny that Regina was all like, like she was helpless when when the fire started, like it exploded <laughs> And then as soon as Emma got her out in front of the camera, she was like, ow, oh, ow. Like, she was <laughs> yeah. like, help me. And like, she was all confident and, and, and calling out to Emma. And then as soon as Emma got her in front of the camera, she was like, try and put me down gently. <laughs> I, I don't think there's much to see before Emma's birthday in Storybrooke because the only thing that's actually progressed in Storybrooke is Henry getting older. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we will see something like that when he first gets the book yeah we might see that or oh here's here's a way out theory Uh, uh. we might see an episode that is to storybook what the magician's nephew was to the chronicles of narnia if you've read the magician's nephew it's the series in the chronicles of narnia series it's the book in that series that explains how Narnia came to existence. Mm, and it that mentions that the witch... But this might be a spoiler for Yeah, don't give spoilers. <laughs> don't, I've never yeah, read just, that book. Yeah. Oh, come on. The witch brings <laughs> something into Narnia and puts it down, and it kind of grows into place, and Narnia starts growing. I wonder if we're going to see something kind of like that. I, I think we are. <clears throat> I think we're going to see something where it is when Storybrooke 
is created. Is that not what the curse was? Yeah, that, that, that was what the well, curse I, was. Well, I mean, actually seeing <clears throat> it being oh. created from the storybook side, because we saw in episode two, was it episode two or episode one? Uh, we actually see like the tornado of doom starts wrapping up and everything when the <laughs> queen is saying, you're <laughs> my happy ending. The only happy ending will be my happy ending just after Emma was sent through the the thing. The Evil thing. drama queen at her finest. <laughs> Evil drama queen. <laughs> so I wonder if we're going to see the flip side of that immediately after that, we're going to like teleport to Storybrooke and see the town being created and everything being put in place. Someplace horrible. <laughs> uh, that sounded just like her. <laughs> I don't know if we will. Because as Regina said over and over and over again, everything there has been that way as long as anyone can remember. Yeah. And that was said a lot of times, that phrase, mm-hmm. as long as anyone can remember. Exactly. In this episode, it's been said yes. like two or three times. And in others, yes. Yeah. Which it's funny that everyone refers to that because really, yeah, they don't have a definite date of saying that it was three years ago or something. Yeah. It's just as long as we can remember. Well, and we sort of know how long it's been um, because it's it's however old Emma was when she came and had her birthday right then. We Ever- assume. Well, we, we, well, yeah, we assume the story. <laughs> we can assume Storybrooke has been in existence for maybe 28 years. Right. Because that's how old Emma is. We yes. think. It's, it's very reasonable that since Emma got to modern day in a different means than everyone else did, maybe the timeline is slightly different, but... It's a reasonable so. assumption, too. <laughs> I think they've been frozen for 28 years, <laughs> and she has come back on her 28th birthday, just like Rumpelstiltskin said she would. Yeah, That's funny. Docs in, in the chat room says, does Henry go to school with different kids every year, then? That's a good point. That's a good point. No wonder he's notice. messed up in the head. Yeah, wouldn't he notice? His friends never grow yeah. up. <laughs> I really enjoyed the line that Regina said at the end. He does make a, su- a superlative enemy. Mm. Enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that smile. <laughs> yeah. I loved that. I could almost imagine Regina yelling at Emma, Kiss my boot! <laughs> <laughs> Caught me off guard on that one. Kiss my boot! You have no idea what I'm capable of. Now kiss my boot! <laughs> Anything else to talk about with this episode? An interest, part of the interesting exchange between Regina and Mr. Gold when she was in his shop raging. She said, don't you talk about him. She was talking about Graham. You know nothing. And Gold said, what is there to know? He died. And the way he says everything, it's yeah. always like there's so much more behind. And that was it was another one of those exchanges like in the, I don't remember if it was the first or second episode when he came and saw her in her yard. It was just another one of those things where she's she's telling him he doesn't know anything, almost like she's trying to tell herself he does not know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of, you know, playing it down, but not really. It's like they're just playing this cat and mouse game. And he's kind of being like, yep, I don't know anything. I don't know. You're an evil queen. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of knowing things about the sheriff, did we ever know the sheriff's last name before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess they always just yeah. said Graham. Well, yeah, they've always said Sheriff Graham and Graham, but in the box that Mr. Gold had in the antique store, 
he was going through some things. There's a certificate in there. And yes, I'm getting really obsessed. <laughs> no, I did that too. So we both have that OCD problem. There's, there's a certificate in there that says Graham Humbert and Storybrook County Sheriff inside this box. So Humbert. That is the last name last you would name. want to hide. <laughs> yeah. Humbert. It's no wonder everyone knows him. <laughs> he probably Graham. just decided it wasn't cool enough for him. And so he just didn't <laughs> ever say it. Bah, How did Gold have everything, including the jacket he was wearing when he died? That being his landlord doesn't really explain that, yeah, in my opinion. I just thought it was weird. Why do you think he like returns the jacket to Emma? She doesn't really want it at the end. Keepsake, memorabilia. I don't know. I still told you. I think I. I don't know if I told you guys. I think Graham. I know we have that idea of dead is dead. And no one's really come back to life or anything. But I do think that Emma and Graham had too strong of a connection to end that. And that something will happen later I on. Know. I don't know. Because they, there's nothing that really says they have to follow normal storytelling TV show right. rules. Where the, the people who fall in love get to spend the rest of their lives together. Yeah, they just look like they had a strong, deep connection too quickly to end it. By the way, one other little Easter egg from the... the box is there was also a newspaper clipping that referred to sheriff graham as the compassionate sheriff (laughs) about when he started um helping the animal shelter and volunteering there it called him compassionate and i think that's a funny tie over to when he was the compassionate huntsman speaking of the animal shelter did you get that david Mm -hmm. has a job now at the animal shelter (laughs) yes what is it with the animal shelter (laughs) it's a place where nice people go well it just it it was it was kind of cool to me because he was a shepherd before oh and sheep are animals i I was trying to get the connection (laughs) yeah sheep are animals sheep are animals (laughs) so do you think he took graham's old job probably well graham no graham volunteered at the animal shelter. Oh, and, and David mm-hmm. had a job. Yeah. Yeah. And he was putting up those posters for Cindy Glass because Catherine was a friend of mm-hmm. Regina's. One other uh, Easter egg that I wanted to share is I thought it was interesting that in the mayor's or in the sheriff's office on the deputy's desk, Emma has a picture of Henry taken that day. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's interesting to see her having that connection already where she wants to have a picture of mm-hmm. her son I didn't on her that. desk i'm not sure if this is the first time we've seen that well he was born in prison so you might as well keep him in the jail cell <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> you got the prison cell right in the background of that picture <laughs> you can check out this picture and all of the others we mentioned on the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash nine uh the way they kind of wrapped up the theme of at least the storybook side of the episode about the question of can good win without playing dirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought that was handled very well. Yeah. And Henry, I thought it was great that Henry sort of regained his hope with, even before they knew that she won the sheriff's office election, just that she stood up to Mr. Gold was enough to give him back his hope. And there was, we already talked a little bit about how did he even know that, the fire would turn out the way it did. And I was thinking the same thing when I rewatched it. It was like, yeah, okay, so she had to rescue Regina, but it could have ended up the other way around. And if Emma had been the one that was trapped, it probably wouldn't have ended well. Mm. So how did he even know that it was going to end up that way? Because she said, how did you know I would even be there? And he said, well, let's just say that 
the mayor isn't the only one with yes. eyes and ears in this town, or maybe I just have special intuition with things concerning me. Mm. Yes. Which is interesting, because right before that, he said, well, let's just say, you know, maybe I did do the fire, then... Yeah. So he does say a he lot of maybes he when he actually did. He doesn't admit it. Yeah, right. He likes squirms when it comes to absolutes and the truth and stuff. <laughs> That's true. The one and only lost Easter egg that I found in this was that we see the McCutcheon drink in this again as Emma is drinking it while abusing the toaster. <laughs> yeah. <And that laughs> abusing the toaster. That's good. I haven't been looking as much for lost references uh, because no. it's almost like uh, it's the same stuff over and over again. And this, like mm-hmm. Dan, you said in like episode one, I think he's pointed out that this is its an own entire entity on its own. Mm-hmm. So, although the boom at the end, slightly <laughs> lost esque, just saying. <laughs> Good, you can point that out on every episode. Then does it always end that way? Does it? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. Anything else that you guys want to share before we go into some feedback? Regina's yeah. line was great when she found them to tell them the election results. I thought I might find you here with the drink and my son. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even quote that the delivery <laughs> yeah but evil witch it's hard apple cider uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. we got some feedback from our listeners and listeners if you want to send us feedback send it to feedback at onespodcast.com or call 903-231-2221 this came in from tanisha who by the way helped add some things to our timeline over at onespodcast.com slash timeline she said after watching last night's episode this episode i have a new theory concerning rumpelstiltskin before the dark lord died he mentioned that his life was such a burden and that rumpelstiltskin will see what he means as he now has the power in previous episodes to this we've seen rumpelstiltskin acquiring more power such as the fairy godmother's wand maybe he's trying to find a cure from this new burden he has acquired. It could even be what Mr. Gold was looking for in episode 7, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, when he was digging outside. Can't hear, wait to hear what you guys think. Thanks, Tanisha. That's, that's a very likely scenario, is that Rumpelstiltskin is trying very hard to get out of his curse. Yeah, that sounds like... I, I'm like agreeing with Tanisha there, because... I was thinking of that when he grabbed the wand. He's still doing it in an evil way because he is the dark one. But, I mean, <laughs> he's he's trying to get rid of it. And I think there is something inside there that, you know, he is trying to get rid of it inside. And if he does get rid of it, he I don't think he can actually kill the dark one's power. It's going to have to pass on to someone like... Regina? I don't know. <laughs> but um I think that'd be a bad Henry, choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe make it really good. I don't know. No, um I do think he's trying to resist something deep and deep down inside. Especially mm-hmm. the idea of him still feeling about, you know, Henry and, and children and the grow up and wanting everyone's firstborn. Yeah. I think be... he's craving power. I don't think he's wanting to get away from it. It could That's be my philosophy. That? It could be a simple power craving. It could be that something else happened to his son, that maybe there's some sort of a curse on his son that he wants to free him from, something Mm -hmm. that he's seeking specific power for. I just, I don't think the story is 
nearly complete. I'm trying to be optimistic. <laughs> well, I'm a the pessimist here. <laughs> Jamie also sent in an email saying, Hello, as a United Kingdom fan of Once Upon a Time and following the series and this podcast avidly, I have a few questions, theories, and thoughts. Number one, what if Ariel, the lim- little mermaid, is the person running the local fish and chip shop? Creepy. That's I'm awesome. so excited. I'm so excited. I want to see Ariel and I want to see Alice in Wonderland. I want to see like, Jasmine and Aladdin. I'm so and excited. Little Red Riding Hood does live in the woods with the wallpaper, so I could totally see that. Yeah. Number two, as a Wizard of Oz fan, I hope we see Dorothy <laughs> and others turn up in the show. Number three, who exactly were the members of those with the darkest souls? That'll be interesting to find out those people and maybe one of them was Shrek. Friends of the dark one. Yeah. (laughs) Number four, the queen having an obsession with hearts is a brilliant nod to the original Grimm's story because once the huntsman brings her the heart, she actually (laughs) cooks it and eats it. In the hope she can steal Snow White's beauty. That's exactly how that works. Loved the Temple of Doom reference, by the way. That's crazy. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Jamie. I'll have to read that one. I was trying to go in order in the Grim book, and that's like on page 472 (laughs) out of 600 or 700 pages. You should skip around. It's the primary story for this show. You have to read it first. I know I do. I'm going to read it too. First read Snow White, then, then read Cinderella, then read Rumpelstiltskin. Mm-hmm. Jadith 30 adds some <laughs> thoughts to this. He says, maybe what Snow White took from the queen is being the most beautiful of them all. I hope but not. she doesn't refer to that problem as a him. Like she wouldn't. There's a him. There's a him. Maybe he's a really good looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> and Jadith 30 also says, also another good show, though much darker, is Grimm. Well, Grimm is competition, so we're going to pretty much ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> and then last feedback here is from sadie and i don't know whether sadie actually knows who we are and our lack of affiliation with abc but sadie said i'm not very happy with the fact graham was killed from the show i wished that didn't happen none of us are happy i hope with you that I hope you take this message into consideration and try to get him back somehow, some way. I'll be watching further shows and hoping he shows. Uh, we'll Aww. see what we can do. Yeah. Um, we'll, uh, we'll let, <clears throat> you know, we'll tell Regina next time we we'll see tell her. <laughs> unless, unless, like, if the curse is broken, do they stay in Storybrooke or do they go back to fairy tale world as it was and Emma falls with them and then she meets... And then she's a baby. Uh, then well, she meets the Huntsman in fairy tale world. Baby, if we knew that, maybe. then the whole, yeah. the whole like show would be ruined. That's like the end of the book. <laughs> That's no. the whole it, end of the possible, thing. It's, it's a, a possible, possible ending. ending. That is one of my theories that the breaking of the curse will not be the end of this show. Mm. But yeah, I it think, may happen sooner than you think. I think Emma might see him again in Fairy Tale World. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, keep optimism. hope alive. We would love to see you guys. <laughs> optimism. We would love to see you guys in real world. So you can join our podcast when we normally record this live Thursday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time over at noodle.mx slash live. Check out the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash nine. And follow the show on twitter.com slash podcast 
please send us your feedback about the stuff that we've talked about. And especially as soon as an episode airs on TV, which is every Sunday night, send us feedback about that episode. That way we can incorporate more of your feedback in our discussion about that episode. So send that in to us by Thursday evening so that we can include that in our episode about what aired on TV on that Sunday. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Dan Flynn. You can follow me at Dan Flynn Design. I'm Jenny, and you can follow me on twitter.com slash Jenny's Nook. And check out the website. Make sure you're subscribed. Leave ratings and reviews and iTunes and all of that over at oncepodcast.com. Now remember... Vote your conscience. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Once Podcast is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our great podcasts like this one at noodle.mx.